What's happening, everybody, and welcome to Syracuse Basketball Postgame presented by Krause Health, the exclusive healthcare provider of SU Athletics, Brent Axe, and Mike Waters here to discuss the first official win of the Adrian Autry era. The Orange, a little closer than some people thought at the JMA Wireless Dome may be coming in, but a win is a win, 83-72. And Mike, the Orange celebrated this one. Uh, no rest for the weary. They got a game Wednesday, so no uh, big celebrations planned. Coach Autry said, I'm just going to go home, spend some time with some family, and then get back at it and get ready for Canisius on Wednesday. But uh, the Orange did celebrate, and there's a video of this out there that you can check out by uh, giving Coach Autry the the water celebration in, in the locker room after the game. So, uh We've talked so much about it, Mike, and I think because we've written about it and talked about it so much and we've anticipated this moment so much at a couple exhibition games, like, I don't know. I never looked over there once and said, where's Jim Beheim? Like, I'm just so used to the Autry thing at this point. Like, I don't know. It just never really occurred to me like, oh, it's weird not seeing the Hall of Famer out there. What felt different to you, if anything, tonight? You know, kind of like you said, I think we got some of that – the odd feeling out uh, in the exhibitions and orange madness, it still hit a little different uh, to see Adrian Autry be the one to come out of the tunnel last, you know, with about two minutes before opening tip. That was always Bayheim time. Uh, it's, it still is a little bit weird for me in the post game press conferences, uh, you know, addressing Adrian and hmm. instead of Jim, it's, that's still, that's going to take some time, but, uh, you know, fans aren't really part of that. That's that's a that's a press conference deal. Um, but you know, the one time I remember thinking, like, oh wow, Adrian Autry's coaching, is when New Hampshire cut it. Uh, I think you know they started trimming that lead down early in the second half, and we had gone under the 16 minute mark. There should be immediate timeout soon, but New Hampshire had scored a few points. They got it down to six. Yeah, and Adrian caught his. His first timeout ever as a head coach, he called a timeout, you know, and it, that's that's when you've moved from that assistant chair 12 inches over to the head coach's chair. And now, you know, your thoughts and ideas are in our suggestions as an assistant. But as the head coach, it's a choice. It's a yeah, you make those decisions. So he called a timeout. I, and I actually wrote that in, in the little notes that I was taking that, you know, Autry just called his first ever timeout. So I don't know. Uh, not that it no, was that was a good moment. Usual, yeah. but, uh, you know, we're, we're going to mark some of those things as the season goes along. Oh, for sure. And that did feel like that first real coaching moment because you don't really get that in exhibition play. You're messing around with lineups and, you know, it, it, seeing them over there, getting used to that was one thing. But you know, it, especially, Mike, in a moment in a game where it's like, okay, New Hampshire is getting back in this thing and – what do you do about it? And Autry even came into the post-game press conference and at one point said, thank goodness for the 2-3 zone. And we yeah. saw that tonight, Mike. You know, this team went back and forth between man-to-man, zone. They played a little press when needed, right? Judah Mintz did lead the way for Syracuse with 20 points. We'll talk about him. Justin Taylor had a, a, a terrific game for Syracuse, and uh, he addresses a real need for this team at this point. But I think the defense did kind of – take the lead in terms of what we were watching when they went man when they went zone I was talking to Quadier Copen in the locker room afterwards Mike and he referenced you know one time where 
they were in man and New Hampshire had to adjust to that. They go into a timeout, they come out, they're in zone. And then like two possessions later, they're back in the man flipping it all over the place. Naheem McLeod in for certain parts of the defense, Malik Brown in for others. Autry played nine guys tonight. It probably would have been 10 had Benny Williams been available, which he was not again. And uh, we'll, uh, Give a short update on that a little bit later on here because <laughs> Adrian Autry had a one-word answer when it came to the status of Benny Williams at this point. But there it was in game one, Mike, not only seeing the different defenses used, but Autry had to make that adjustment based on how good New Hampshire was playing and how they, they closed in on this thing. Syracuse was up at one point, 32-9. to They go into halftime up 44-32, and New Hampshire – Won the second half. They kept it close in the second half. They kind of settled down for a while there. What, what did New Hampshire do to, to stay in this game? How were they able to make everybody nervous on Autry's opening night? I thought New Hampshire started the game a little nervous themselves. They missed their first nine three-pointers. You know, after that, they started finding better shots. They took their time. You know, after missing those nine three-pointers, they started making a bunch. They closed the first half well, steadied themselves. Uh, that, you know, they were shooting it, you know, they were getting good shots even against the man. Uh, you know, you mentioned Adrian, you know, goes to that two, three zone. I, you know, there were really two major factors as to why he played two, three zone. One, when he had Naheem McLeod in there, in the man to man, he was having to guard a six foot eight guy. Now at seven foot four, it's really tough to chase a six, six eight guy around. And that guy was comfortable going out on the perimeter where Naheem's going to have a tough time of it out there especially when he feels like he's got to go out to guard the guy. Now, if some other team later in the season wants to pull their 6'11", 6'10", center out where that guy's not a threat, that's fine. Naheem just won't go out, and they can stay in man-to-man, and Naheem just won't worry about a guy. Now, um, but they had to take – when he was in the game, they started going 2-3 zone just to help Naheem stay on the floor and play defense then. But as the game went along and Judah Mintz got himself into foul trouble, he had three fouls in the first half, picked up an early, you know, fourth foul early in the second half. Uh, so, you know, when the, when he was back out on the floor, Adrian said he felt like he kind of needed to go zone just to make sure Judah didn't pick up another cheap one along the way. He needed him out there on the floor. Good, of course, Kyle Cuff Jr. in for Judah. He ends up with four fouls. Uh, so he's out there playing for a while with four. So, yeah, they they had to go to that 2-3 zone mainly to protect some guys from foul trouble. And then at other times of the game, they did it to kind of protect Naheem in a man-to-man, you know, from getting exposed in man-to-man. And whether it was zone or man, and our colleague Donna DeTota wrote about this in her quick hits, you know, trapping – or not trapping, pardon me, chasing down – the corner three-point shooter, that was an issue again. That that looked familiar no matter what defense they were in there. So, Mike, defense, certainly something this team's got to work on. At, at least they've got all these in their back pocket and they can kind of switch them up pretty quickly. The three-point line in general on the offensive end, we came in with some questions. It is only game one, and we'll see how this develops, but I still think we've got some questions there. Justin Taylor to the rescue, though. He hit some big shots in the second half, one from the top of the key at the three-point line, showed off some other parts of his game out there. But so far, and you did a good job laying this out, we did a a, a Syracuse Sports podcast where we laid out the five questions that are going to define this season. And, Mike, you were pretty high on Justin Taylor 
and how his game has evolved. And right here in game one, he had to step up in that department because outside shooting is still a big question mark for this team. It really is. And and really, nobody besides Justin has shot the ball really well from three-point range so far. You expect Chris Bell to? He hasn't, though. And tonight, he goes one for five from three-point range. And it's not like he's taking tough threes. He's getting good looks. Uh, Judah Mintz isn't shooting the ball well from outside. Neither is J.J. Starling. The, the starting backcourt tonight went one for eight combined mm. uh, from three-point range. And again, they expect them to shoot it better. Now, J.J. and Judah, neither one's Joe Girard. They're not going to be like that, but you still hope that they shoot it better than one for eight combined. So, yeah, J- Justin Taylor, though, you know, he hits the two big threes in the second half. Both of them came at, at junctures where New Hampshire had closed the gap. Uh, he hit that one really pretty one, basically on a pick and roll or a slip screen where he's, you know, turned and it was right at the top of the key. It's kind of a move I've seen Cole Swider make a couple years ago. Asked Justin about that after the game. And he said, yeah, you know, it's it's not like a, a new move or anything out there. And it is something like you've seen, you know, a Cole Swider, one of their other forwards, set kind of a screen and then slip right through it and turn and, and from the top of the key. He made that and as he got fouled, it was a, a really critical four-point play for the Orange. I think at that point, New Hampshire had cut it to like, I know it was under 10. They was in single digits and it was a big shot. And then he had another big one a few minutes later. Um, without him, boy, the orange is really hurting from three-point range. Some of these guys really got to get going. Yeah, 5 of 21 overall tonight. Bernie notes it here in the comments, Mike. Uh, Joe Girard, you brought him up. He was one for four tonight for Clemson. He only had three oh, points in his state. I already looked. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would have for the Tigers. So, yeah, you know, it's early. We'll see how he gets in the flow down there. But that was something there. And Judah, at times, Mike, there were a couple times you and I kind of turned to each other and said, uh-uh, that's not the shot. He's got a green light. Adrian wants him to create. There's times he's got to learn not to take on double teams. His outside shot is better, but it's got to be a good shot from the outside, right? And all this will come. It's game one, shaking some things off here. But there's not a lot of time, in a sense, Mike, that you've got to make smart decisions and learn on the fly. You've got Canisius Wednesday, another team that Syracuse should handle. And then you get Colgate, a team that loves to shoot threes and obviously has beaten Syracuse twice in a row. And then you're going to Maui. So game on like they're really learning here in the fire with a challenging schedule up ahead and and not a lot of time to to work on these flaws and the flaws that we saw uh not only in this matchup but maybe a couple in the exhibition games as well so the free throw line came into play Mike how did Syracuse manage to kind of stay in this one even though they had a couple of gaps four or five minutes where they didn't go scoring New Hampshire trying to stay in it as best as they could the free throw line 22 of 27 Syracuse was so our first free throws matter of the year it it almost felt like a strategy at times right you have guys that can get there that can draw fouls and have a pretty good percentage there and I think this is certainly going to be another thing we're going to come back to time after time that if they can't hit these threes it's going to be crucial to to be big to draw fouls and, and to make those free throws Yes, just just as he did in the recent exhibition and against College of St. Rose, Judamins drove, got fouled, got himself to the free throw line. You know, when his shot wasn't dropping from the field, he knows he's got to go in and draw contact and try to get himself to the line. Now, 
some of the times when he was doing it, I didn't think it was the greatest looking drive in the world. Mm. Uh, I don't know if that's going to work against better competition, bigger guards who don't have to, you know, struggle to guard him in there. Uh, maybe teams that have bigs who can offer better help, uh, you know, so when you draw, you know, we'll see if that's there, but tonight uh, he really helped himself by getting to the line. He goes nine of 11. It's really interesting. A guy can be struggling with his outside shot, his free, you know, his, his jumper, but he gets himself to the line and everything settles down and he's got good form and he can convert. He makes the other team pay for sending him there. Uh, you know, without Syracuse making 80% of his shots as a team, as a team, uh, you know, this would have been a real white knuckler coming down the end. But, I, you know, those making those free throws really helped them. Uh, you know, they, they outscored New Hampshire by eight at the line. You know, in a game they won by 11. So uh, that was really the difference. A couple more things here, Mike. Uh, no Benny Williams tonight. Donna asked about it in post game, and Adrian had a one word answer for that inquiry, and that answer was no. Yeah, the inquiry so not, was any any update on Benny, <laughs> and the answer no. was no. <laughs> so we'll see if he's in there Wednesday. Yeah, it's been two games now. Uh, we don't really have anything more to share as to why the suspension has happened. I'm sure that will be discussed when he does come back. So we'll keep an eye on that. And we noted it; they played nine guys. He would have been the tenth out there. Anything that Benny's game brings that Syracuse could have needed tonight? Is this something where, you know, the clock kind of ticking, no matter what the suspension is for, that, you know, Syracuse is really going to need Benny back in a flow, as we mentioned, with that tough schedule just around the corner here? You would hope you'd be okay, you know, without him against Canisius. Uh, Colgate, I don't, you know, I don't know exactly yet how, you know, how good or what they're going to bring. I'd like to have him for them after losing to uh, Colgate for two years in a row. But more than anything else, you need Benny to get back on the out on the court once or twice just for his own sake to get you know going before you hit Hawaii. Definitely. I mean, and that's assuming this suspension is lifted by then. We don't know. They're not saying that he's been suspended for one game, two game, five games. It's an indefinite thing. So, you know, and and we and we don't know. You know, a lot of times a coach will tell a player, listen, you're suspended until you complete X, Y, or Z. And, um, you know, we don't know exactly. So, but, uh, you know, hoping that, that he's back by the trip to Hawaii, I, I think it would be really beneficial to Benny to be on the floor a few times here against Canisius and Colgate before having to go out and jump it all, you know, jump ball against Tennessee, which, by the way, looks really good. Yeah. Yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. So, Mike, any other opening night observations, things that you noticed that we haven't discussed yet? I just saw John Wallace and Lawrence Moten were there, and they posed courtside with a nice photo with Eric Devendorf, who was on the uh, TV call tonight. You took a nice photo there. Um, you've got something coming here. I don't know if we want to spoil it here uh, on the podcast, maybe a little tease for people that want to check this out. Mike had a, a fun angle uh, in exploring something that uh, uh, Adrian Autry's family yeah, uh, was a part of this one, and Adrian mentioned in the post game that his dad was there, and that's something that I know that you you kind of focused on. So we're looking forward to reading about that. Yep, Adrian's father was at the game, um, so you know we're going to examine you know the the whole dynamic between father and son. And I've talked with Adrian and his dad uh, leading up to Monday night's game, uh, knowing that he was going to be there, and 
you know, it's, 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 a, it's a real interesting relationship. Um, I really appreciate the both of them, you know, opening up, you know, talking a little bit about it. And the fact that, you know, Adrian's dad was there, I think had to be really special. You know, it was special because Adrian mentioned it briefly, briefly in the postgame comments. But, uh, you know, and it, the other thing, too, is interesting about Adrian tonight is it, there was another Autry making a college debut. Uh, you know, it was tough for the Autry family tonight. Adrian's son, Trey, a uh, freshman at George Washington University, made his played in his first college game tonight. George Washington won. Uh, they handled Stonehill down in uh, the nation's capital. Trey Autry got a starting assignment for George Washington. All right. He was in the starting lineup, but it was it was tough. I talked with Adrian's wife, Andrea, after the game. And she said it was a really difficult night for her because she was watching the Syracuse game, but on her phone, she was trying to watch Trey, <laughs> you know, the game down there. But uh, Trey's older brother, Adrian Jr., Syracuse fans will remember Adrian Jr. was a walk-on at Syracuse a few years back. That's he right. went down. He was watching his younger brother. So oh, good. His younger so brother had there. family yeah. attendance. Yeah, he had grandparents on Andrea's side of the family there. So it was a heck of a night for the Autrys. It sure was. Celebrations all around, but uh, as Adrian noted in the uh, post-game press conference, they're back at it Wednesday. That's when we'll be back at it here. And just so you guys know, watching myself, Mike Waters, Donna DeToda, maybe we'll let Chris Carlson in once in a while. We are going to be doing this after every game. If you've been following along for football, Emily Liker and I have been doing live post-games here. So the thing you want to look for is here, if you're watching on Facebook, Syracuse Orange Basketball at Syracuse.com on Facebook, our Syracuse Orange Sports YouTube page, my Twitter page, at Brent Axe Media. If you do miss it live, though, no worries, kids. We've got you on YouTube. We've got you on Spotify. We've got you on Apple, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the Syracuse Sports for Yeah, that's a lot there, Mike. Just do one. Just That's all you can handle is just, is just one. Just pick one and stick with it and pick your favorite. And we got you covered for the podcast, right? So if you can't catch us live, catch us there. And I want to tell our friends that are watching here about our voicemail line. So put this in your phone. And if you want to ask us a question on post game, something that you're just burning a hole in your pocket, you're watching the game, you want to tell us about it, our voicemail line's always open for you, 315-552-1964. We've been having a lot of fun with that on the football post games. People have been venting a little about football, Mike. Uh, as of late, I don't know if you've noticed that. Really? People, people a little fired up <laughs> about what's going on Wow! with a team on a five-game losing streak and a coach on the hot seat. So oh. we're here for you. We're here for you. Call the voicemail, 315-552-1964. Michael, thank you. Looking forward to doing this throughout the year. Looking forward to reading all your coverage, of course, from this one and the story about Adrian and his dad and just everything to come here. One down and many to go, but tonight a special night, the first win in the Adrian Autry era, and this has been Syracuse Basketball Postgame. Thank you, Mike. Thanks to everybody that watched and listened tonight out there. It's been presented by Krause Health, the exclusive health care provider of SU Athletics. We'll catch you next time, guys.